Blog Talk Radio. Hi there, I'm Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio, and this show is a celebration of baby boomers who are embracing life as we grow older. Yet our generation has encountered some major shifts over the years that have greatly impacted our lives, and many of these were totally unexpected, especially those around technology and artificial intelligence. Thankfully, there's no one better to speak with about this topic than our guest today, Dr. Rama Chalapa. Dr. Chalapa is a pioneering researcher and inventor in the fields of computer vision, artificial intelligence, and machine learning. And in addition to being a Bloomberg Distinguished Professor, Dr. Chalapa holds eight patents and is a fellow of eight professional societies, including the Institute of Electrical and Electronics Engineers and the Association for the Advancement of Artificial Intelligence. And for those of us like me who might just fall the tiniest bit short of his academic achievements, Dr. Chalapa has just come out with a book that both poses and explores a fascinating question that many of us share. It's called Can We Trust AI? And he's joining us today to tell us all about it. I've so been looking forward to this interview. Welcome to you, Dr. Chalapa. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on your show. Well, I'm going to start out by first off congratulating you because uh, Can We Trust AI has recently been published, but you're already getting a lot of fabulous feedback and comments by your fellow scientists. So this must be, it must have been a work, kind of a passion for you and also really encouraging to get that kind of support from people who know what they're talking about. Yeah, thank you. That's true. But, you know, I had a lot of help from my my co-authors, Eric Naylor, and uh, the editing staff at Johns Hopkins University Press, Charles, Anna, and others. So it's a team effort. And, uh, you know, I've uh, been doing working on AI in related fields uh, since early 80s, late 70s, and AI is always there, you know, because Hollywood has made AI very, very famous. Of course, the more scary, but the famous and, and, and an exciting field. And over the last 10 years, AI is making a big comeback. And so I thought I will you know, work on a book that kind of points out the good things that AI has done and is doing and will do, but as well as, you know, be a little cautious about, you know, what what AI is all about and, and how we should interact uh, with AI. Well, and I have to say, I mean, you share, you, uh, we had a chance to chat a little bit before we went on air, and you too are, uh, I believe, in our generation. So all of this had to have been such a monumental task and exciting for you. But what made you decide to write a book about AI and pose some of these questions and add a little of your own background? That must have been kind of cathartic for you. Yeah, that's right. I've been interested in technology. You know, I was 15 years old when, uh, uh, you know, astronauts landed on the moon and they also came back home sick. I said, wow, that is really a bit of technology and, you know, and so on. And so I've been interested in this. And uh, with AI, the issue is it's, uh, it's like uh, somebody, you know, who's not well understood, right? I mean, the AI is, can do good things. But people are also worried about it. They think it might become too powerful, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And the questions I'm asked are, you know, will AI take over the whole world? 
or will AI do this, will AI do that? So I thought I'll provide a balanced account. Uh, uh, so basically to provide comfort uh, to folks, you know, that, no, it's going to be okay. And at the same time, not to, you know, sweep under the carpet, you know, some of the issues that we are still working on to make AI work better for us. Well, I, I appreciate that so much, and also I, I don't want to shock you, but I have not the greatest knowledge and understanding of technology, and I so appreciate you wrote this book, not only for people who are, you know, professionals in the field who might be discussing these issues, but you wrote it for the general population like me. And so tell us some of the issues, if you don't mind. I, we're going to go into the book, delve into it a little more deeply, but some of the main points that you wanted to get across and explore with your readers? Yeah, I think AI is already present when we drive uh, our cars, for example. These days we have a lot of safety features that have come about over the last, you know, I don't know, eight or ten years with, you know, alerts telling us that there are cars in adjacent lanes and if, if your car thinks you're going to hit the car in front of you, it will give a warning and so on. This is just even a regular car. You may not have it autonomous driving. So all of these comes from computer vision, which is a, a field of AI. And if you're talking to Siri or Alexa and all that, that's natural language processing coming from computer vision and, and so on. So we already have a presence of AI, the recommended systems that Amazon uses. Like when you buy a book, you know, you get some recommendations saying maybe you can also look at other books, Netflix, Netflix movies, and so forth. So people ask me, is AI already there? I said, yeah, it's been there. Now it's, it's more there. Now, what the AI is also getting into is in healthcare, in medicine. You know, I'm a professor in biomedical engineering at Johns Hopkins University, and which is in School of Medicine. As you know, Hopkins is a great place for medicine in terms of the clinical care as well as, you know, research and so on. So more and more, uh, we think AI will play a bigger role because in medicine, there's a lot of data. There's a lot of private data, right? It's, it's, you know, that's very important. You know, your, your electronic health records, the lab reports that you get when, when blood work is done or when x-rays are taken, MRIs are taken, CTs and so forth. Even that conversation between a patient and the doctor can all be stored in a secure place and AI can work on them continuously and see if there are anything to worry about. We have a platform at Hopkins on a precision uh, medicine analytics platform. It's called uh, PMAP, and that precisely allows that. But one of the important things with this is that it allows for personalized medicine. You know, my health condition, you know, will be different from yours and will be, you know, especially when we reach the, the, the beautiful 70s, Every one of us will have slightly different conditions. Some of us will have, you know, more than one condition. So it's not an average anymore. Uh, we are all individuals and we have personalized uh, medical needs. And AI can just probe your data and, and uh, it can do that. Now, what are the things that people worry about AI? They're very, what happens to privacy? You know, will AI use data that I have not provided consent to? It cannot happen in medicine because... In medicine, they've figured out how to keep your data private, you know, and, you know, so like when you go into a doctor's office, they'll say, can I share, can we share your medical information with, uh, you know, somebody, you know, you trust, and then you provide your spouse's name or your children's name or, or a close friend's name. So unless you provide that, they will not share. So medicine has figured out how to keep data private. 
and so they can mine this and uh, basically you know that's what ai will do just like the physician assistant who sometimes helps doctors ai is a computer software assistant it will provide some help to the doctors because ai can look at a lot of data you know humans we can look at some data but sometimes we won't remember what happened 5 years ago but ai will remember that you know it's a computer right algorithm so that is the advantage we think uh, will will uh, ai bring to uh, improve the quality of life and so on so you know so we have to kind of see the good and the you know potential issues when we work with ai Well, you bring up some fabulous, fabulous aspects of AI. And I remember years ago, my mother was ill and going around to a lot of different doctors having to tell the same story over and over and over and over again. Now uh, they've got, they can, you know, again, you give permission, but they can share your health history and, and really, again, like you say, you know, things that we might be, as human beings, we can comprehend and retain for a while. But with AI, it, it stays around forever and it's in great detail. Uh I am going to bring up one topic though that I wanted to talk yeah. about and that is yeah. for uh, you know our, my audience are they boomers you know I a lot of us remember I read it in high school but George Orwell's book 1984 and the big brother aspect of it so sometimes yeah. there's a little bit of deja vu when you know things come up that you realize how much people know about you so tell us a little bit yeah. about how you know we can deal with that maybe right. more right right I mean we talked about this before you know when I go to my supermarket uh, I I give my telephone number knowingly because you know they have this bonus savings card I get some discounts on shaving cartridges or get two blueberry you know and get one strawberry free and all of that so here I clearly understand what I am giving up and what I am getting the grocery store knows exactly what I am buying at some level I may say why should a grocery store you know computer know what I should buy but here I understand so basically what I'm saying is we got to be become savvier in terms of who we share our information with and what information we share with we have to assume if we put anything on online it potentially can be shared we have to assume that so i don't have a tiktok account i don't have a twitter account i have facebook once in a while i just go and see what's going on but i don't post much so i'm careful about what i share you know as we are often told if anybody asks for a social security number don't give it right so we understand yeah. so privacy is that um anytime you use a, a platform social network platform or or a gmail and so forth they do know i mean you know they will track what you buy and they send you uh, you know more ads and so forth some people like that they say oh this is helpful but some say oh why why is that this platform knows what i like to buy and suggest to you know that i should buy more or something related to it so it's an individual choice so privacy is an individual uh, decision making thing what you want to give up what you want to get so we need to constantly be thinking about it and then be very very alert that information can be shared now across platforms so that's very important to keep in mind
Well, thank you, Dr. Shaw. For that, I mean, that is very helpful information. And, you know, at some point or another, I may have heard some of it, but it's a wonderful reminder because I, I know, you know, if you tend to be open and sharing, sometimes you might share too much and not realize that, wow, you've opened yourself up to a lot of people knowing about these things. And another, right. a little bit of a downside, I wanted to ask you, because you do cover it in the book, that uh, where, you know, this, I guess it's software, whatever, you know, that deals with facial recognition. That can sometimes be not great, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, facial recognition, uh, it has to be done properly under, you know, uh, uh, appropriate conditions. And the person who uses it for uh, applications like law enforcement should be trained. And then the data that is used to train face recognition system should be collected with consent. You can't just go and pick, you know, from internet willy-nilly and things like that. Now, facial recognition is is the one that everybody thinks of when it comes to faces, but you know, face also plays a big role in medicine. For example, uh, one of the uh, you know colleagues I work with at Hopkins, he says when he enters the room where a patient is, he first looks at the face, and from the face he can kind of guess, oh, something is not right here. So face can reveal uh, what is going on with a person in terms of, uh, you know, potentially, you know, stroke or recovering from stroke or, you know, in the case of young children could be maybe detecting, you know, autism or, or looking at dementia and so forth. So there are many other applications of face, uh, you know, analytics in addition to what we normally hear about how face recognition is used in law enforcement and so on. I agree with you. Uh, face recognition is something very personal because we all have faces and, you know, we, we worry about not the face being used in, in bad ways and so on. And uh, my my bottom line is any technology that doesn't work for everybody in the society must be, you know, fixed. Uh, it should be taken out of the market and fixed. The example I give, Boeing is a great, uh, the best, uh, you know, building uh, company of, of aircraft. But recently, the 737 MAX had some issues. And then they took the plane off the market. They fixed it. Now it's flying again. Actually, I flew in one couple of weeks ago, and I didn't have anything to worry about. So technology has these kinds of issues. You know, if it is not properly used, it will create negative uh, you know, outcomes. But this is one thing I tell folks. AI algorithms can be probed, can be tested, and if it is not doing well, we can fix it. So we should always remember that because it's a technology. It, it, it cannot do too much on its own. You know, so we can fix it if we see there is any problem. And if it is not properly used, we can take remedial actions. So, I mean, as a, as a comparison, I, I often say to people, we don't know what biases we have, you know, humans, right? We have some unconscious bias, conscious bias, and so forth. AI bias can be measured and can be reduced. And we cannot say the same thing about human bias. That, that changing that takes uh, sometimes many, many years, decades. 
Wow, Dr. Chilema, you, you know, just talking with you makes me so happy because any of these issues I might have, or fears, you know, again, the big brother stuff, you, you know, you really bring it down to a, a way that I can understand it and feel so much better about it. And I can't thank you enough, not only for writing the book, Can We Trust AI, but for speaking with us today and giving us that, that good advice. And I'm glad people like you are working on uh, artificial intelligence on all our behalf. So, before we have to leave, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to leave with our audience? Oh, no, I tell them not to fear AI, to work with AI and make AI work for them. And technologists are constantly looking at it to make it better. Well, we will have to close on that very high note, but thank you so much not only for your time but your information and sharing your expertise and also calming the rest of us down. Thank you, Dr. Jalapa. Thank you, and thanks for having me on your show. Have a great day. It was wonderful. And for all you listeners out there, please check out Dr. Chalapa's remarkable and fascinating guide because it does deal with lots of issues around artificial intelligence, the good, the bad, and the ones that can get fixed. So uh, once again, the book is called Can We Trust AI? And it's a great roadmap that's going to help you understand how artificial intelligence impacts your life now and into the future. So until next time, this is Mary Eileen Williams at Feisty Side of 50 Radio. Sam, I'll catch you later. Bye-bye.